0: And look, as a business owner, you need to make sure you keep your margins high, your profit margins high. Because at the end of the day, if you're absorbing the cost, then your profits are eroding. You're reducing your capacity to supply, but you're also reducing what you're getting out of the business. Welcome to the business behind your business conversations to help your business grow and thrive. Hi, I'm Paul Sweeney, founder of Credium Solutions, chartered accountant and certified business advisors. Hosting the business behind your business.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the business behind your business. My name is Paul Cripps, and today we're going to be talking to the founder of Pretium Solutions, Mr. Paul Sweeney, and we're going to be talking about our topic today, which is how to increase profits for small business. And Paul's going to cover uh five really practical and straightforward steps for us paul it seems strange to welcome you to uh, <laughs> your business given that you're normally on the other side of the microphone but welcome to you and how are you today I, i'm i'm good i'm
0: a bit, bit cold in lockdown at the moment so we're in this situation again so things are a bit disrupted and people are sort of wondering where to, where to turn to next and what next
1: for my business Yes, that's right. Exactly right. And I think uh, we're, we're in that stage at the moment. But, but some things still carry on. Some things are still the same. And I think, look, increasing profits is still something which small businesses should be very much focused on. I think as we learned from the first lockdown, there are, there are businesses where they're extremely challenging training environments and there are others that can thrive. So these tips, I think, are as important there as they would be really at, at any time.
0: Mm. And look, that's some of what we've seen over the past year. We've seen a lot of um, businesses changing the way they approach their business to focus more on how do I make more profit? With the resources I've got, or with the opportunities I've got, or even with the limitations that I have, and and what we've seen seeing now is that some businesses have really just switched back into that online mode, whereas others are are still well, they're not actually having to change because they've already re-engineered their business in the past twelve months, and it's just a, a more of the same for them. You know, the, the the way of communicating and interacting with customers hasn't changed. It's now a normal online way of doing things for their business, uh, which has come about through the circumstances we faced in the last 12, 18 months. Although, you know, we've still got face-to-face businesses where their ability to actually interact with customers at the moment it has has changed. But some of the ways that we can increase profits really look at changing the way that we we look at how we run our business or how we make a sale or, or what we actually sell. So, the, you know, there are a few... I guess in a way that what we're going to talk about, it isn't really complicated. It, it, there are some pretty simple steps, but it sometimes it's a case of having to look at things from a different angle to, to get a, a new perspective and, and actually discover a, a different way that you may be able to run your business or, or make those sales and a different way of managing to make more profit.
1: Absolutely, Paul. But definitely. And look, as you, you talk through there and, and knowing what some of the uh, things we're going to talk about today, I can certainly see you. I can relate, relate to even some of the things that you're, you're talking about here, for, even from either my own experience or, or what I've seen with uh, other people, I, other clients I've got, or people I network with. So, um, look, I think let's just let's dive into this now, Paul, if that's okay. So, we're going to talk about how to increase profits for small business, and you've got five particular chunks or steps, should we say, that we're going to go five, five sections. And do you want to really just talk about the first one, which is, I'm saying this is about finding out uh, which customers are really profitable? So we can talk us through that, please.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, a lot of small businesses, what we find is that they rely on a single large customer or a single, or a group of large customers, and they will put the most effort into those customers. I'll give them the best attention, the, the best discounts, or or maybe more time. You know, throw in a few extras. But at the end of the day, you need to analyze: Are they actually profitable customers? Because if they're not profitable, then you're actually expending a lot of your resources into a loss making customer. Uh, you're spending a lot of effort there and you could spend more time on the more profitable customers which may not be the 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 larger customers so what we need to do is actually have a look at each of your customers particularly your large ones and are you actually making a profit on them like not just in terms of the gross profit so selling your 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 goods or your service above what it costs in terms of direct costs but how much extra time are you putting in and uh, look Going back years, we did this analysis in another accounting business I actually worked in as as a manager. We looked at the top, or sorry, not the top 10, we looked at the largest 10 clients. And we discovered that two of the three biggest clients in terms of revenue were actually loss-making clients. Wow. Yeah, um, and The amount of time and extra things that were having to be done and out-of-scope work and just to, just to keep them happy so that the revenue was maintained meant that we were actually making a loss on those customers. So they weren't actually good customers. So we needed to do a couple of things. We had an option where we could increase the price, which there was objections to. We could reduce what was included by not throwing in all those extras, but there was already an expectation that – we would do that, that we would continue to do that for the same price, which is not feasible because it was a, a loss-making customer. Or well, the third option, which is actually what we took in those situations, was we actually sacked the customer.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: so we sacked those customers, but what that did was it freed up a lot of resources, and we were actually able to increase revenue by double what we'd lost by going out to new customers or other customers within our client base where we supplied different products at a profit. So we had more capacity to supply to those customers without needing to, to hire more resources. We were able to sell more at, a, at more profitable rates and our profit increased. So we were able to get rid of a loss-making customer And and replace that with profitable customers. Now, that's not always the case, that you can't always do that. But you need to be aware of whether your customer is actually generating a profit for you or not. And if they're not, then you you have to make a change. You have to either change the price that you sell to them, reduce what you're supplying, or you're going to have to bite the bullet and stop dealing with that customer.
1: And, and for some people, that might be a very uncomfortable prospect. You, you talk about you know, potentially, you know, saying goodbye to the customer that produces the most revenue, but you quite rightly say it's the it's the effort and the cost of you know perhaps acquiring the goods in the first place. And, and so a lot of it comes down to really making sure there are some very some very sensible, I guess, analyzation that goes on in terms of the, the numbers. So how would you suggest people start that sort of exercise?
0: Yeah, well, I, I think the first thing is to actually have a look at your accounting records and what sales are you selling to people. So you're looking at at, at, your, at who your customers are, but the other thing you're looking at is what products you're selling and what products and services because uh, who, who's buying what from you. So most most people would be limited to, say, th- five to ten products or services a, as a core offering, and you can quickly identify how much you're doing. But it's, a lot of the times it's what are you supplying extra to Mm. these customers Mm. and are you actually Mm. charging for it and and that's where it comes a lot of people will will not that's where the what we call scope creep or 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 hidden costs
1: that come out
0: and so there's a couple of aspects to it identifying who your customers are what they buy from you and then how much does it cost you to supply those products and and yeah then this the next part of that analysis is looking at well for those bigger customers are you having to do more extra things that you're not actually charging for? And that's where you, your profit gets eroded and even to a situation where you might actually make a loss on a customer. So we, well, I had this conversation with um, somebody recently who they, they, they would supply a report based on an assessment and they added a lot of extra value to that report. And what they did was they... Ended, you know, it took an extra four hours to add all that extra content and value into the report. What they found was that none of the customers they supplied that extra detail to actually wanted it or valued it. Yeah. So they were able to remove that content from the report, still charge the same price, but they were saving four hours for every report. So, wow, increasing their profit that way. And then they could use those resources to develop other sales products and, and strategies
1: so yeah and a lot of that is actually not falling to bad habits I guess isn't it really in terms of something you think a, a client wants but actually they don't and that the time to do the extra work wouldn't be will be valued now just on this, this this first point Paul is there are there two do you think there are two key questions that um, every small business owner should be asking themselves
0: yeah look I, I think what is it that you actually sell and, and like what is the product that you're selling? being very clear about that because sometimes we try and sell things that aren't our solution. Like I know we 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 had a price list in our service offering and, and we had like 400 different items in there. And I thought, well, that's un- completely unreasonable because yes. how do you know where to start? So we limited that down to I think we, we came back to 20 key, key services and we focused only on that. We've eliminated all of that extra confusion. So being very clear about what you're actually selling and also who your customers are. And when you're clear about those things, you can um, develop a lot more consistency because you're, you're only focusing on a, a certain number of products or services. And that makes it easier, which go, goes into that second point about being consistent about what you do. So delivering the same product or service the same way every time for the same cost. So that uh, you know you have consistency, and this is where your big clients tend to cause problems because they demand extra extra attention extra yes. extra uh, work to be done or you know, modification. so if you can eliminate that and be consistent with what you're delivering consistent with the product, then um, your profits margins are going to be more consistently high and, and and at the end of the day you're going to be more profitable
1: absolutely and and look the, your second point you know, about being consistent um, in delivery is something i can even relate to myself in terms of the longer i've been in business you know i've developed uh, an offering which is consistent so therefore you know the the effort to roll it out and the time involved in roll out isn't what it was you know i guess previously and so i think that's a that's a that's an ex- excellent point um the, and probably the next thing to go into now, Port, if you like, is uh, it's a third point in terms of reviewing pricing, putting prices up. That's something which people can feel very uncomfortable about at times. So, so what would you what would you say to people that perhaps fear perhaps losing business as a result of increasing prices? Mm-hmm.
0: Look, uh, probably a really good example of this is a, is a guy I was working with. So this would have been a conversation probably about two thousand and eight. So you know, we're looking eight years after GST came in. And the conversation with him, so they supplied, I think, cool rooms and refrigeration and then did servicing on it as well. And they hadn't put up their prices in eight years. So I think they might have been charging like $40 an hour for maintenance and service work, which every, every piece of room equipment or refrigeration they installed needed maintenance and servicing. So they had left their pricing at $40 an hour for eight years so they'd ignored inflation they ignored wages growth and their profits had been dwindling over that period so they were pretty unhappy at that time and so i challenged him so actually what we did was we said what's the effect if we increase your price by one percent what's the effect on profit which in their particular case we we had like a one percent increase in price was a 70 percent increase in profit i think because it's just going straight to the top line. The actual costs of supplying don't increase, but the, the revenue you're receiving from the same action increases. So for them, it was a, a, a 1% increase in price, was a, a 70% increase in profit, which was very, very really good. So the response I got from that was, you know, well, well that's all, all good, but I can't in cha- charge $40.40 an hour. You know, nobody does that. And I said, well, make it $50 an hour. You know, to which the, the response was quite quite amazing because the, the the owner of the business was sitting across from me with a with you know pretty angry scowl, crossed, <laughs> really unhappy. And then all of a sudden, his arms relaxed, they unfolded. This huge grin comes on his face, and he says, oh, "I'm going to charge. I'll make it sixty dollars an hour because it divides better into half hour lots." And I thought, "Well, oh, that's a great great thing to do." So um so I said to him look I'll ring you in 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 4 weeks and you can tell me how many customers complained and how much business you lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I rang him in 4 weeks and he, I said to him how how many customers complained he said none. I said
1: wow.
0: how much business did you lose? None. And then my third question was how angry are you that you didn't do this earlier and he says absolutely filthy so they had left a lot of profit on the table by not reviewing prices and, and look, the effect on their their profit was was substantial like i think we ended up with a 260 percent increase in profit just from one action reviewing their pricing and everybody faces an increase in costs
1: yes absolutely um, yes yeah.
0: And look, I'm I'm actually, as a consumer, I I benefit from people not reviewing their prices because I know certain suppliers to my business and and, and at home haven't put up their price since I've started dealing with them. Now, I know that prices have gone up and, and, and they haven't got more efficient at delivering. Their costs have gone up as well, but they've left a lot of profit on the table by not having an annual increase in price. And, you know, why should you Suffer
1: yeah, and absorb uh, that, really, isn't it? Yeah. If you're if you're actually not increasing your prices, you're absorbing other increases of, of costs that you naturally get in in any business.
0: Yeah, yeah. And look, as a business owner, you need to make sure you keep your margins high, your profit margins high, because at the end of the day, if you're absorbing the cost, then your profits are eroding. You're reducing your capacity to supply, but you're also reducing what you're getting out of the business. And yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you you go into a business to provide a lifestyle for yourself, whether yes. it be through time or money or or capacity to do things. And if you're eroding that, then what's going to happen is you're going to have to spend more time in the business, you're going to have your stress levels increased, and you're going to be not as um, excited about turning up to work, not as excited about you know having a look at how profitable you were for the for the month or the week. Yeah, there, there's some big implications of not reviewing your price. And I think there's a fear in there of... You know if I'm going to lose I'll lose business by by not increasing my price. and there, there's some tables that we've we've looked at, you know the effect of if you put up your price by a certain percentage, how many clients can you afford to lose before your your revenue is at the same level? And it's actually you know quite quite interesting because you could afford to lose say ten percent of your actual physical number of clients and still make the same revenue, but your cost would be lower just by putting up your price by a matter of one or two percent now you know we, we've got inflation quite low and, and some wages have gone up so you know if you looked at you know do i increase my price by five percent then you know uh, how much business can you afford to lose you know we've had the example of where we've done annual reviews of our pricing and increased it and at times customers have said to us no that's that's too too much uh, uh you I don't want to pay that anymore, to which we've said, well, okay, that's fine. Please let us know where, you, where to send your information. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, we, our costs have gone up, so we need to continue to, to make the, the same level of profit. So uh, it, is a, it is a business relationship. You, you, you're not there to
1: subsidize your customers. Correct. Absolutely right. So I think the key thing here, don't be don't be afraid of reviewing your pricing, as you say. Next yeah. uh, thing, Paul, uh, on the list here is obviously talk about uh, improving marketing strategy. And I guess the starting point is actually having a marketing strategy in the first place. I would imagine.
0: Yeah. Well, I think they're all all linked in the, in that marketing strategy is that actually identifying who your customers are or, or what type of customers you want. And if we go back to our refrigeration customer or a client or a refrigeration business, one of the other things we we discovered was they had installed old refrigeration and cool room equipment for hundreds and hundreds of businesses around Sydney. Mm. And one of the other services was they they would, they would go and service the equipment and they did maintenance when it broke down. If it if it did need uh, repair work, they would do that. And like you, you get you get your car serviced every year or every six months, depending on the warranty requirements, and, and like. The same thing with your refrigeration equipment. And I I said to him, look, where's your list of customers and how often do you contact them to remind them that their equipment will work better if it's maintained correctly and that they should book in for an annual service? He said, well, we've never done that. Mm -hmm. I said, well, you've got your list of customers because it's in your accounting system. You need to take that out and then start a process of, of actually marketing to Existing clients or Absolutely. past clients, yeah. yeah, getting that regular service pattern in it. And we've seen this with other people where they've done installation work and they can build a service, what we call a service book, because they're doing the regular service work. So they'll, they'll have a customer once where they do installation, but then they're generating future revenue by doing yes. the servicing of it. So you have an existing customer base, you need to market to them because they're already warm or hot leads because Absolutely. they know you and they've dealt with mm-hmm. you before. They are easier to market to than brand new customers. Correct. So having yeah. a look at who you're actually dealing with at the moment. But the marketing plan, well, look, we and we can spend hours talking about marketing and there's lots of different aspects to it, but I think you've got to decide uh, who you're going to sell to, what you're going to sell, and, and, and actually do it.
1: Absolutely right. And and I think your your golden point there, I think, Paul, as well, is think about who who you've already done business with in the past, which is right, what you say, they're warm customers that you've previously done business with. They're they're going to be a lot easier people to sell to, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and look, they they already know what you do. Uh, And sometimes I think the other thing is if you're marketing to your existing customers, if you've got a new service that you want to sell, You've already got somebody that knows how you operate. So it's a lot yes, easier to sell a new a new product to, to an existing or, or past customer than to a new customer.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, it's great. Very good point. Now the, the final the final point here is uh, Paul, you talk about it, and, and probably it's very relevant in current circumstances. Is evolved by introducing new products or services. And I, I remember when we uh, were sort of like the early part of last year, the word pivot came up quite a lot, uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I think eventually that word was eventually banned out of the out of the Australian dictionary. But but yes, yeah, certainly it's a very good point in terms of you know introducing new products and services. And I guess now probably more than ever.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and we've seen this in the last 12 to 18 months particularly where where there's been a need to revisit how products and services are sold or what they're actually sold or the format they're sold in. Um, so there are some classic, exam- or classic success stories, I would say, from what I've seen, and, yeah, one of our clients who was um, faced with a situation, you know, they're a tattoo parlor and we had these immediate lockdowns that that kind of industry had to, couldn't, couldn't operate. They couldn't do physical tattooing. Um, now, working with this particular business, we were able to say, "Well, hang on, what are you, what are the steps of your process?" And in their process, it wasn't just a case of rocking and get a get a you know some initials tattooed or a, or a logo or something. There was actually a lot of planning and design work into the tattoos that we're going to do. So we shifted that process into an online process where they did the interview with the with the customer online they did all the designs got them approved and then as soon as we came back to being able to physically do things they were they had already the design work done and they were ready to go with the actual physical inking so changing the way they did it now just having i guess a shift in the thought pattern is that often they'll think okay we come in we get a customer and we do everything on in face to face but changing it from okay we're going to block out time and we need to do design work here and then when we open up, we're going to do all the physical work. Now, with that design work, they were actually able to repurpose some of those designs and um, turn it into merchandising opportunities. So they were able to sell T-shirts and oh, wow. other material using their designs or prints because what they were designing was a, was an art, a work of art.
1: Yes. Nice.
0: Uh, so we're actually able to generate a passive income stream using – product and skills that they already had designed so looking at not something completely different but using what they already do but just changing uh the way or creating another way of selling the same thing so no, that's, that's so there are, are ways to do that so no, that's and, and look cool. that's, that's one example so we've seen you know things like mu- music schools go to online lessons and even so many more business meetings being done via uh virtual face to uh, virtual video conferencing rather than losing all that travel time so changing the way that you actually supply a product or service can actually open up new opportunities so by by creating more of a virtual market, you're expanding I guess your geographic base as well of who your customers are so thinking about not just new products and services but but new ways to sell your existing products and services or new channels to sell through
1: no you raise a very good point paul and, and it, it's interesting I, I remember probably maybe around the middle of last year for the very first time i had the first client that i almost felt uncomfortable that i actually not met these people in person because trying to be a trying to describe myself generally a personable sort of person is i always like to meet people in person and shake their hand, have a cup of coffee, and all that stuff, of course, became off, off limits. And, but it's like, once I, once I got over that, I've now found that I've done that on a, on a regular basis. And as you quite rightly say, you know, examples of being able to deal with people in different geographies. Just yesterday, I was talking to a prospect in Perth. I've got another client in Perth that I'm dealing with this afternoon, so which, you know, really wouldn't have been possible or even thought about, you know, 18 months ago. So totally agree. It's being open to different ways of being able to do business with people is a is, is, is a a great tip. So, Paul, obviously, we've gone through five great tips about how to increase uh, profits here for small business. You just want to quickly run through a high-level summary of those top five for our listeners to the podcast.
0: Yeah, so we've got those five. they're sort of all linked together. And look, we, what we've put together as well is a, a bit of a, uh, a checklist or an infographic on on these five ways to increase uh, your profit. And that will be available. We'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it'll be available also on our website, uh, which is uh, www.thebusinessbehindyourbusiness.com. But you know, just a quick summarise of the, the five key points that we've got is that it actually working out which of your customers are profitable and look, that, the answers to that could be quite surprising as to who actually is profitable and not profitable. Being, being consistent in delivery. So you, you have some efficiencies and, and cost savings there. And also by delivering it more consistently, you, you're going to be more profitable. You're going to have higher margins. And number three, reviewing your pricing, which is often overlooked or, or a fear factor there that people don't want to review their pricing. But I encourage every business to have a look at their pricing. And then make sure they're pricing for profit, which is a key thing. Improve your marketing strategy or even go back a step and, and put in place a marketing strategy, which might be very simple in terms of, okay, we need to actually talk to customers. That might be the first step if you're not doing something. But have a marketing strategy and, and look at improving that. And then... The fifth, fifth point we looked at was introducing new products or services or, or even a different way of selling the same products or services. So there's five five different things there. None of them require you to invest money in resources at the moment. They're, they're all things
1: that you can do without spending a dollar. Absolutely, no, They're five really fantastic, great practical tips. And, and thank you very much, Paul. The way you describe it with examples, I think uh, it makes it real for everybody to really understand as well. So so thank you very much for your time today. And thank you very much for letting me uh, guest host the business behind your uh, business today. And, uh, and Paul, if people want to get in touch with you, they know who you are, but please uh, give your contact details out uh, so people know how to get in touch with you should they want to talk further. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So you can find us, find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and uh or through, through the website for Solutions.com.au and we'll be happy to take the conversation further. Fantastic. Thanks for listening. Do you have a question you'd like our team of experts to answer? If you do, send your question to podcast at thebusinessbehindyourbusiness.com. To hear more from The Business Behind Your Business, don't forget to subscribe using your favourite podcast player. Or you can visit the businessbehindyourbusiness.com website.